0: Hello and welcome to Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity podcast. I'm Christine Burns, and in this episode, I've come to the Tate Modern Gallery in London to meet up with Sue Sanders. So, you've become a well-known figure for your LGBT campaigning work. You're a leading figure in schools out, and also one of the founders of the annual Lesbian and Gay History Month. So, first things first, what lights that fire inside of you to campaign?
1: (laughs) I think probably frustration and anger, um, which I've then molded into an energy which enables me to get up every morning and put on the computer and attempt to make a difference Schools Art has been I suppose something very important to me for probably something like 30 years I've, I've dropped in and out of it um, but I was there when unions wouldn't support LGBT teachers when I first taught I, I, I hid my gayness not terribly well um, but I pretended my relationship was with a man and not with a woman for some time and found it an incredible strain. I mean, these were the days when, as a teacher, we weren't allowed to wear trousers, um, when we had no legislation, obviously, whatsoever, because we're talking, you know, 30 years ago. So we set up schools out as as initially as a a social organization to support um, lesbian and gay teachers in those days. Um, Because the unions weren't supporting us, um, authorities were sacking us, getting rid of us, suspending us generally. So it was a a pretty dangerous thing to be out and proud, and very few of us were. And very soon after we set up, which was then the Gay Teachers Group, we had um, a very serious case in London of um, a teacher who was... Fired by the Ilia in the London Education Authority, which we would have considered a fairly liberal organisation in those days, because he said he was gay in in, in a classroom as an answer to young people, and it, it was a long and frustrating process to get him eventually reinstated many years later. So Schools Out came from those two places in a sense, as sort of a social organisation to support LGBT teachers. Um, And then has over the years, obviously we were very busy around Section 28, Um, I was part of the Arts Lobby in London, working with Ian McKellen, uh, Michael Cashman and others, who then went off obviously and started off Stonewall, and also the Education Lobby, and we spent an inordinate amount of time in the House of Lords, Um, obviously failed, but we did I think at that time raise the issues quite profoundly and set up a whole interesting network of people who were seriously concerned about what the government was doing because if they could say that about homosexuality what could they say about other groups and obviously the actual statement of Section 28 which said that um, we were a pretended family I think really hit a core with a lot of people and previous to that obviously we have been doing a lot of supporting of the miners' strike so there was a lot of political movement and connecting Um, So although Section 28 had the most disastrous effect upon schools, ironically, because in fact the section was in the Local Authority Act, so in, in reality it didn't affect schools because by then Thatcher had brought in the local management of schools. So technically the law didn't affect schools, but because we'd made such a fuss, because we had been... So upfront in our presentation of the disaster that Section 28 could be, most people had heard about it and most people assumed that it did affect them. And even though Sec- Scores Out did lots of information presenting, um, people either didn't hear or didn't want to hear.
0: Can I just interrupt you there? Because yeah. the Section 28 was, was introduced in 1988 it and was. it was repealed f- 15 years later it in 2003, is. which is yes. qu- that's an entire generation, of it course. Is. Is this effect still being felt?
1: Effects are profoundly felt. Um, Here we are, um, April 2008, I was doing some training with teachers just before Christmas 2007 um, in Lewisham, a borough where we had been very active in the 70s and 80s around both equalities and LGBT issues. And... I was teaching a group of teachers who had chosen to come to a workshop on LGBT issues because they were concerned about the use of the word gay, using as a derogatory term in schools, which is predominant. Um, And when I said to the teachers, "Okay, when do you use the word lesbian and gay by such a transgender? Um, There was this massive silence, and none of them ever did. And one of them, bless her heart, looked at me with wide-eyed amazement and said, do you mean to say I can say lesbian in the classroom? What what sort
0: of proportion of of children at school do you think are or know themselves to be lesbian or gay?
1: Oh, that's a very interesting question. I think that's probably impossible to answer. Um, Given the fact that we actually don't have proper figures about who are lesbian, gay, bisexual or indeed trans because of the way the census works and because of the way that research is done, and particularly if you're thinking about young people, um, when young people know their sexual orientation to themselves and then are choosing to come out is a very fluid thing. So I think it's probably not something we can put a figure on. We tend to use the 10%, but how appropriate that is around people under 16, whether 10% of LGBT people are out, thems- out to themselves before 16 is interesting. So I think that what schools out have been saying consistently is our schools have to be safe for everybody. They need to be safe for black people, for women, for lesbians and gays, bisexual, trans people, for gypsies and travellers, for people with disabilities. Our schools have to be safe for everybody. And what's interesting is the government has this concept of every child matters. And at the Schools Out conference this year in 2008, we had Kevin Brennan, the school's minister, and he actually, finally, somebody used the words every child matters, including every lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender child. And we've taken an awfully long time to get that statement to be said. So that's, that's where I'm coming from in schools out, is making schools safe for everybody.
0: Because it strikes me uh, from my own experiences at school, of course, that you don't actually have to be lesbian or gay to be perceived that way and so be subject to this type of bullying.
1: No, homophobia can affect anybody, whether they're lesbian or gay or not. And, and people can make the assumptions you're lesbian and gay based on the darndest things. Um, shoes you wear, clothes you wear, subjects you choose. And I think one of the things that we have to use in schools now is the gender equality act um, came in last year 2007 just popped on schools uh, i think what what is such an appalling scandal is we actually give diversity training to our police officers we do not give them to our teachers so when i'm doing inset training to teachers and i ask them when did they last have diversity training they never have and they've never actually discussed the concept of power either, which is kind of frightening. But police officers do, since the Stephen Lawrence inquiry, have a fairly decent introduction to the concept of diversity and equality in power.
0: And can I go just slightly off topic then? Because um, the teachers are teaching that the citizens of tomorrow as well. So what capability have they got to teach <laughs> equality and principles of diversity to
1: A new generation. They don't, and that's the frightening thing. And I think this is something which I have been working with the DCSF. I mean, I think since Brown came in and he split the Department Department of Education into two, and we have some new people. I am a little hopeful that we can make some changes. I've been working with some high-powered civil servants, and they are aware of the lack of diversity training. However, what was frightening was their answer was a master's, which I can't tell you how inappropriate that is. Um, what is clearly needed to be done is that our teachers, when they're doing their PGCEC courses, need a good chunk around diversity. They are, they are working with an incredibly diverse kids wherever they are you know, it, it, you know even in cornwall now there's you know there's a bit more diversity than there was 10 years ago so if we're not skilling up our, our teachers to have some awareness of difference of cultures different expectations then we will face the sort of things that we are facing high proportion of our young lgbt people committing suicide attempting suicide high proportion of our young black boys being expelled um you know, what, what sort of pro- proportions are we talking about here? We're talking about proportions completely out of kilter to the proportion of the, of, of the, of the population. So it's been a, consistently recognized that we are expelling our black boys at a ridiculously high level and, and you know, suspending them. And when I present that to to teachers, they they get very puzzled and say, well, is that racism? And then when I ask them about their knowledge about culture, when they they have some concept about something as basic as in some cultures, you know, not looking at a person is respectful, and they have no concept of that, you do kind of think, well, is there any wonder then? That we are misinterpreting communications, having expectations which are not making sense to our young people and are not thinking through where our young people's experience and attitudes are coming from so it seems to me quite crucial that we look at the training of our teachers to be much more aware of the complexity and diversity of the backgrounds and expectations of our young people
0: course teachers don't work alone what, what what could could parents do perhaps
1: parents is a big issue i think you know when we were thinking about to 70s and 80s when we were tackling racism we were dealing with some parents who were incredibly racist Now, when racism is not solved, but it is probably more seriously thought about in our schools and taken on board, and after the Race Relations Amendment Act, schools are supposed to monitor all racist incidents. doesn't mean to say that they do, and doesn't mean to say that the local authority does much with that information once they've got it. But they're not asked to monitor homophobia. Some local authorities do, but again, monitoring is... An interesting exercise, it seems to me that it's the first stop and lots of organizations just do the monitoring and then don't do anything with the information afterwards and we need to, you know, do something about that. But to go back to parents, I think what's interesting is when we look at the research that has been done with parents, a high proportion of parents are quite comfortable, 77% of, of parents are quite comfortable with the thought of their kids or kids of their friends being taught by lesbian and gay teachers. Now, when I present that to teachers, they are dumbfounded with amazement because that information just isn't given out and, and people don't think of it. And because of the media representation of concepts around lesbian gay, and gay bisexual trans issues in schools, they become very frightened of parents and see parents as the potential enemy. I think we really have to challenge that because most parents want their schools to be safe. And once you start enabling parents to understand that if any form of prejudice is, is rife in a school, then it will kick on to the next one. I mean, there's that amazing poem that we, all, we used when we were tackling Section 28. First they came for the Jews. I did nothing because I was not a Jew. Then they came for the trade unions. I didn't do anything because I wasn't a trade unionist. You know. And then eventually they came to me and there was no one left to fight for me. That recognition that... Prejudice breeds prejudice, so you have to tackle all of it.
0: That, perhaps, rather neatly brings us on to the the subject of history. And, of course, one of your other passions is you you helped to set up the LGBT History Month. I mean, uh,
1: Paul Patrick, who's the co-chair of Schools Out, and he and I have been working together for over 30 years, and he's very seriously ill at the moment, so I'm hoping he's going to pull through. Um, I talked to him for some time about how useful it would be to have a month like Black History Month um, Black History Month was such a, a productive tool in tackling racism in schools and that's been going on for about 15-20 years and in 2004 2003-2004 I could see the beginnings of the potential of having a month which th- that we could actually perhaps call that month we were having the single equality plan we had the legislation which was saying you can't discriminate on the grounds of sexual orientation, religion and belief. it, It felt like it was a potential. So I talked to the Department of Education and asked them if they would fund us. I think back in May, June... I still hadn't heard from them, and I felt that, well, if, if I don't make the, annu- the announcement, it won't happen for next year. So I used um, a, an Amnesty International produced a, a, a an amazing missing book looking at homophobia and love across Europe, and I announced it there, and I announced it at Pride. And then eventually the DFES gave us money in November, and we did a pre-launch here at the Tate Modern, thanks to Southwark um, Council who worked with me on that, Um, and we did a big launch of LGBT History Month in early December, That it was going to happen in February. And I'd said to the Department of Education and Skills, if we have 10 events, I'll be happy. We had over 100 events the first year.
0: So that was in 2005, and how's it grown since then?
1: It's grown enormously. I mean, when you think that the pre-launch for 2008 was at the Royal Courts of Justice, and we had the Attorney General and Barbara Follett, the Equalities Minister there, um, I think we can say we're doing rather well. The irony is that the, Crown, the the criminal justice system, post Stephen Lawrence, have recognized and embraced the need for them to tackle homophobia, to acknowledge LGBT experience and, and, and reality, and have been amazingly supportive. Even though the Department of Education and Skills funded us for the first two years, we still don't have their logo on the website. I'm hoping that that's going to change this year, but it feels really strange that it's taken them five years to maybe consider that. What I'm really pleased is that Gypsy and Travellers History Month, which is in June, they have the DCSF logo on their website. So I'm hoping that maybe the DCSF will finally recognise that it is important to give that stamp, because... What's interesting is that we've probably had something like 600 events this year across the country. Um, the South West region have got their own coordinator now, so lots of things were happening in Cornwall and Devon and Somerset. Um, Scotland have got their own per- person who, who works up in Scotland. Birmingham have set, just set up a, a very interesting gay-remembered su- uh, history website. So the diversity of things that happen from unions having events from councils using the month to launch um, exhibitions looking at work around tackling homophobia in schools to pubs and clubs having their events to churches having events what we haven't yet got really is schools embracing it we have a brilliant teacher called Elia Barnes who has been doing work in, in Stoke Newington in, in Hackney for three years and there's a brilliant piece on the on the website which explains the work that she's been doing for the last three years there are pockets of good practice around the country but it is not yet embedded and it seems to me that that's going to be the big challenge and I'm really hoping that in 2009 we can really grab that and with the DCSF support we can begin to get schools to feel more comfortable in embracing LGBT History Month because until we usualise the existence of LGBT people within our schools, so that they are mentioned in the curriculum, they are obvious in posters, we begin to to name and use the words lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans in the classroom we will not be able to break the stereotype which has been so profoundly there and which is constantly supported by the media so when I go into schools and talk to kids they have no concept of black, lesbians and gays, they have very little concept of lesbian people, very little concept of trans people. The thought of any of those people being parents, being disabled, they don't have the concept of the diversity of our community. They're, we're, we're all white, we're all able-bodied and we're predominantly male. So that diversity of the, the LGBT community is just not celebrated or visible. So LGBT History Month is very much there to enable that to begin to be part of the mainstream and embedded particularly within education
0: so would you say that the department of education is really sort of dragging its heels in that area
1: just a titch and and i think i'm hoping that's shifting i'm hoping that's changing clearly with the fact that they have now produced the guidance on tackling homophobia in schools um in 2007 has has moved them but i think they still tend to be reactive rather than proactive and I think that supporting them to, to recognise the proactivity of the, of, of the work that's needed is is the next big lift up that they need.
0: Does it perhaps need somebody to actually stand there and say it's OK to do this?
1: It does and I think the, the, the very fact that I meet teachers who are still under the cloud of Section 28 because they don't get diversity training... Because there isn't a space in teachers' incredibly busy lives to have those really important conversations. When I've been doing some inset training recently, which has been across all the equalities, the the feedback that I've got from the staff has been that that's possibly been the first time when they've looked at those case studies and they've started talking about some quite complex issues around the equalities, disability, um, age, religion, LGBT issues it's the first time they've had a chance to actually have that discussion with each other and in a sense themselves to enable themselves to think through what they think about the issues so that when the kids bring it up in the classroom they are more confident and competent to deal with it and it seems to me that, that with the movement towards SEAL which is the social and emotional aspects of learning which I think is a powerful tool that the government have brought in. But when you look at the material, diversity is implicit rather than explicit. So the majority of illustrations, well, I don't think there's one disabled person within any of the illustrations. There may be some diversity around ethnicity, but it could be more. And certainly it's profoundly heterosexual. So if we look back at the Stephen Lawrence inquiry and we see you know, the Stephen Lawrence inquiry saying that our institutions were institutionally racist, I would suggest that they are institutionally oppressive and heteronormative. So the assumption is that people are white, that they're able-bodied, that they're Christian, that they're heterosexual. Um, and they haven't, we haven't yet grasped the diversity of the people that we're working or indeed the multiplicity of identities. So the concept that when we're doing, for instance, Black History Month that actually recognising well within Black History Month we celebrate black women, black lesbians and gays, black disabled people and please also British. I think that's the other biggie that, that within education we actually look for both within you know, when we're exploring and celebrating difference, that we don't have to constantly look to America for that. We actually have some very powerful and important black British, black lesbians and gays, black disabled you know, people to celebrate and, and talk about.
0: In, in the absence of that sort of material from the centre, if, if, if a teacher wanted to set something up for themselves... How would they actually best go about it? What would, what would be your advice to them? Well,
1: on the, on the Schools outside and on the LGBT History Month site, there are lesson plans. There are oodles of links. Um, there are images. One of the complexities is to get images which are current without the copyright thing. But I, I think the Internet is, is such an amazing tool. I mean, it, using Google just on its own can produce so many interesting images and concepts. But there are sites now, um, like Schools Out and, and LGBT History Month, which can guide you through stuff. Within the teachers' sites, um, th- there is information around you know, a variety of things. Um, we need more, and, and it's something that, that you know, I would appreciate, the DCSF helping us write some more material. But there's plenty out there if you're looking. Um, what, what's needed I guess is to bring it all together in one place which is what Schools out and LGBT History Month attempts to do but it can send you off to lots of, of links to give you lots of information and then there are sort of things that you can hang them on like Idaho, May the 17th, February, LGBT History Month November we have Trans um, Day You know, there are lots of ways of utilising the festivals and remembrance days to holocaust memorial day you know there are oodles of them which which enable teachers to make the links and to not only think about the particular area but to think also about the multiplicity of identity
0: you've mentioned all those other events of course so so although we started by talking about a month lgbt history month This can go
1: on all all year round. Absolutely. And I think that's that's, that's the thing about Black History Month. I mean, I think, I mean, I was acutely aware that AI was pinching something from from black people. Um, But if you see something that works, you know, it's a compliment, I guess. Secondly, I'm aware that, you know, the the danger can be said look, it's only a month and we want the entire year. But, But the month at least gives people the chance to start thinking about the issues. One of the reasons that I chose February was because it had a half term in it. And I was positive and proved right that libraries and museums would grab it and therefore then parents, children and teachers would go into their libraries and and museums and see LGBT History Month events and perhaps then have the confidence and courage to then take it back to their schools But also, once you start that process, you then build the courage and build the competence that you can then begin to recognize that this is something which needs to be woven right the way through the whole curriculum, right the way through the whole year. If we are going to be real in our education, and if we are going to equip our young people to be effective citizens, then obviously our job as teachers is to introduce them and enable them to be wary of stereotypes to think through their prejudices and leave school people who have are going to be competent citizens who can actually deal with the diversity and and embrace equality when they when their parents workers etc
0: how can people help you
1: oh well um (laughs) given that we have virtually no funding and we all work our, 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 our guts out. Mm-hmm. Become a member of schools out. It's only 20 quid a year. Um, look at both websites. On the LGBT History Month website, there's um, a place where you can get put your email in and you get a bulletin every year. There's a forum uh, every month, rather. There are f- interactive forums. We, can, we sometimes ask for help. Um, if you see interesting articles, link us up to them. Um, Obviously, that the website is only as good as what we notice. Now, we've got some people who are very good at picking stuff up, and you're one of them. I mean, we've got some amazing stuff around trans, thanks to your work. Um, so, it's a question of if you see something that, that's interesting and useful, let us know, give us the links. If you want to volunteer, Goddess is 101 jobs, um, which we would be very grateful. And I think what's been exciting for us is that uh, the the Schools Out LGBT History Month committee was very static for for, for many years. And for the last two, we've had a whole group of new people join us, which has been very exciting. Um, And predominantly younger people as well, which has brought in a a completely new way of looking at things. And within a year on the Schools Out website, we now have a student um, toolkit which was brilliant to be able to produce that within a year. It was amazing.
0: So we started out this this, this interview talking about things as they were about 30 years ago. Yeah. Are, you, are you more
1: optimistic now? I think on one level, if, 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 if I could take the websites and, and the work that I do and whisper that into my 20-year-old ear... Um, I would have had a heart attack and said no way I mean the whole concept of the internet is is such an amazing concept you know I mean nobody sort of foresaw that Um, I think the biggie is that it's like everything we've had the legislation against racism for over 30 years but the racism is profound within our society so having the legislation is an amazingly incredible process and and, you know you and I are almost there we're almost you know we're we're almost um, citizens now which, you know, even 10 years ago, I think you and I would have been surprised at how much legislation we've got. We now have to move to the next stage, it seems to me, of actually making that legislation real within people's lives so that we don't have a high proportion of our young LGBT people receiving hate mail and death threats for being LGBT, so that we don't have LGBT people being attacked on the streets and being even indeed murdered. So there is work to be done, there's education to be done, there is the recognition that yes, although the legislation is there, we haven't yet made our country safe and then when you lift our eyes from our country to the rest of the world there is an inordinate amount of work to do um in the recognition that being lesbian and gay can get you hung
0: is there going to be a time when sue sanders is going to hang up her hat
1: (laughs) i guess i'm going to have to at some point um Probably, yes.
0: We've been talking about bus passes before we started. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, the joys of bus pass indeed. The Freedom Pass, I zip around them, yes. 61 this year. Um, I guess there will be a time. Um, it, it feels like... I guess probably that that the natural cut-off point will be when the Labour government dies, which I suspect it probably will. Um, And then we'll need a whole new generation of people who have done some work um, with the Conservatives and have some knowledge of the Conservatives and who can work with them. Um, But in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's a cut-off point and then I can go off and do my artwork and read and write and do all the things I used to do vaguely.
0: You've, you've actually part answered my next question is what, <laughs> what do you do for relaxation
1: well at the moment very little um, I think part of it I think because I'm so passionate and I enjoy what I do and I think the other thing is you know like you I've, I've made this work my life I, li- I earn my living um, as a trainer um, I'm working in I've, I've delivered a lot of training to, the, to police Crown Prosecution Service and teachers and when you're a freelance, self-employed person, you're as good as your network. Well, it, it, what's interesting now, of course, is that my network is large and work is coming in, um, and some really exciting work. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting, because you kind of think, well, here I am thinking about hanging up my hat, but all these interesting jobs and thoughts are coming up. So it's, it's, it's making a decision at some point. I'm, I'm going to have to look after my health, obviously.
0: If you had one wish what would you wish for
1: what would i wish for what a fascinating thought um i guess health i guess i guess i'd wish for a really healthy body that can go on for as long as i need it to go on for i think health is a pretty crucial thing if that's a wish for me a wish for the world i guess is safety um but when you're looking at global warming no lack of food and and everything else it seems to me that we need a healthy planet as one as a healthy body
0: And I think I'll just add to give you another 24 hours in every day. (laughs) Thanks
1: a lot. (laughs)